Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to recap Game 5 of the NBA Finals and see if Boston has finally sealed their fate here in this year's NBA Finals. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go over the salary cap in Major League Baseball and basketball and see which teams are in the luxury tax and it's actually paying dividends if it's working out for them for the money that they're spending and who is really making mistakes. Up next. Yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's podcast. I am your host, Matt Guest. With me out in Las Vegas is Matt Morris. What is up, man? You've been catching a lot of movies lately, dude. What's What's been the best movie you've seen thus far? I know, I think I know your answer, but you've watched a lot. What's your favorite one? Mm, I would say probably the Batman or Top Gun. Top Gun, Gun was pretty good. It's hard because of the nostalgia not to rate that number one, but you could say the same thing for Batman. Right. Um, I think movie wise top gun i think for like the testament of time probably batman you know i think batman will be more enjoyable to watch multiple times um throughout the years same thing with top gun though but it's not the first i'd say the first top gun is still a little bit better we watched the mm. northman last night more artsy yeah you like texted me artsy yeah which you know we'll, we'll you see watching, do you remember watching beowulf years um, and years ago yeah 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 kind of the same Kind not of like, like that. Yeah. We're like, but you like, expect it to be dope, but it's kind of more artsy. Hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, we'll see. That's why I asked. Well, I was planning on watching it. And that's why I was like, well, let me know what you think because I needed to figure out what kind of state of mind I need to be in to watch 100%, this movie. 100%. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be on the vitamins. But, um, yeah, man, we had a pretty interesting week in sports. Uh, for the listener here, we broke up the the recording. Matt and I, um, we're still working, ironing out some of the kinks to like fully announce the like next plans for what we're going to be doing here in the next upcoming month. But we broke the episode into two, so we actually had a discussion Sunday night about the, or excuse me, Monday night about the basketball game that just ended. Golden State took a three two lead over the Boston Celtics. We have some nice breakdown analysis, what we thought, how the game ended up. So we'll go over that in this episode. And while we were talking about it and going through things and just kind of messing around um, afterwards, we were like, oh, you know what? We want to bring in um, the salary cap and how much this matters and why these teams pay this luxury dollars, like specifically Golden State. But there's a lot more underlying variables under there. So what we're going to get into in the episode, the second half here, is we are going to get into the salary cap in baseball and in basketball and how it directly reflects into championships. And is it worth the money that these teams are investing, obviously for a profit, but most importantly, to get those rings. So um, we found a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of good players to talk about, a lot of good teams. So we'll get right into it. Just watching them pass the ball, like their passing game was fantastic. This is being Boston, right? Like I liked and enjoyed watching them move the ball, but it, they weren't able to get off a shot quick enough. I don't know if Golden State was running a zone or what they were doing, but every time the guy was like the fourth or fifth, fifth pass at the top of the key, ready to shoot, a warrior was there like ready to defend. And there were a few on Tatum that I saw in particular. Wiggins played incredible defense. Yeah. Um, just, you know, up in his face, contested shots. Tatum didn't take really a good shot that whole fourth quarter without Wiggins right, at least right, being right, near right. his grill. 
Oh, I mean, well, at the end of the day, it was it was the Andrew Wiggins game. Like that yeah. that was his career defining game. A hundred percent, right? Like Andrew Wiggins is the is the afterthought of the team. Has been an afterthought since they traded him from Cleveland to Minnesota for Kevin Love. That that was the trade. So, um, you know, they, they or well, they traded the rights to that pick for Kevin Love. Kevin Love comes over and wins a title with LeBron, right? And uh, that's something I want to get into in a little bit. But like, to, like, is that draft is is kind of like, damn, what if what the what if with Jabari Parker, right? Yeah. Like, what what if Wiggins goes to the Bucks and he gets to play with Giannis, or what if Jabari doesn't tear his ACL or the Bucks just hold on to him, right? Like, you know what I mean? Because this this is the Andrew Wiggins you drafted number one overall. He won you the game. That's a number one overall draft pick tonight. Like, yeah, maybe he's not LeBron. Maybe he's not, you know, a top ten player in the league. Like you want your number one draft pick to be, but he, that was a number one draft pick tonight. But well, he won them the game. Curry played, you know, I I don't think Curry played terrible, but he didn't play good. You know, I thought Boston's defensive plan was great against him tonight. Well, and think about the other first round, like first overall picks, Anthony Bennett, right? Andrew Bogut, guys that Anthony Bennett in particular were out of the league after a year and a half and a half. But Andrew Bogut, like after year six or seven, like once he hit Golden That's State, true. was just a rotational piece. Right. And Wiggins came out today and he changed the narrative. I think Wiggins today may have just locked himself into a Warriors uh roster spot next year. Oh, a hundred percent. Like but, he's just bought into that yeah. third. I mean, actually I think he's played second best. I don't want to discredit I thought Clay played really well today. No one's really talking about that either. I think his defense has been I don't know if you noticed that from when you were watching too. Like, dude, he's Ding up and he's yeah. like he found his shot. You know, we talked about last Sunday. Um when he couldn't find his shot, like he he's making big shots when he needs to now. And I think his defense is a little underrated. He's never going to be clay from pre injuries. Right. Like, I think that's something that everyone, myself included needs to get over. Right. I'm just waiting for him to just kind of have like that extra step. Like his legs are dude. <laughs> would you be the same Matt? Like obviously not. Right. No, I mean, you can't trust yourself the same that muscle retention isn't there. Right. Like overall, you're not the same physical person you were. But you do need that leadership on the court. You do need that consistency. Right, with right, shooting. right, 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 right. And I think at least what I saw tonight was that we're a game or two away from Thompson having his game. If it's not game six, it will be game seven. Uh, I think Clay's kind of like finding that confidence again. The, the three he made at the end of the game tonight was big. You know, it was like, okay, like go into the next game with that confidence, continue to keep shooting. And I think the biggest takeaway tonight was Curry's inability to score. And the way that Golden State was able to win this game, I think I they shot twenty percent from three. Um, you'll have to pull that up in the box score, but like, fuck, dude, that's yeah, twenty two. Yeah, they were nine for forty in the entire game. That's crazy. Um, Pool had three of the nine, and he hit that buzzer beater. I think he hit buzzer, one yeah. three. He hit that one three in the first quarter, or first half, I think, and then he hit a buzzer beater, and then he hit another one um, right, in the fourth the quarter. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, and then other than that, Clay Thompson had five. Oh, sorry, and Gary Payton had the other one. So three dudes hit threes on a team that needs to hit threes. So, you know, it it happened early in the season, or early in the season, it happened early in the finals here was that Tatum didn't have a good game one. He was a facilitator, playmaker. Boston steals a game, right? Game two, Warriors blow them out. Game three, Boston wins. Uh, Steph plays well. Game four, Steph goes nuclear. This was the, I mean, you look at Steph, his box score here, seven for 22 from the field, 0 for 9 from three, two for three from uh, the free throw line, 
he had three rebounds, eight assists, which is really good, a steal, and 16 points, right? I, I literally I bet on him today to score 30 because his worst game of the finals, he scored 29, and that was in game <laughs> two when they took him out in the fourth quarter because they were blowing him out, right? It was, I mean, it, I, I'm not even mad about losing the bet. Like, I placed the bet like, yeah, if he has a bad game, he has a bad game, I would go down with Steph. Why wouldn't well, I, you know? And it's funny because the whole premise of uh, Boston being able to take game one was okay, like this was a steal, right? This this changes the entire complexity of the series. Not right. when you have a bad game like this. Yeah. This was the game to seal the championship. This was the game to go back to Boston with the opportunity to win game four. And Steph Curry had a bad game, right? If you tell Boston that Steph Curry is going to play like this before the game, they're yeah. laughing to themselves in the locker room <laughs> talking about how they're well, going to be yeah. headed back to Boston with the lead. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what the broadcast said. They said if you're if you're going to tell me that Steph goes zero for nine from three, has sixteen mm. points, you know, misses, uh, what is that, fifteen shots, that the Warriors win by ten at the end, and they pretty much it was a well, it was a fifteen point game basically yeah. the entire fourth quarter, right? Roughly, it was over with five minutes to go. Um, no, you wouldn't. No one would think they win that game, man. And it's interesting though. Steph had the best plus minus. I, I really. He definitely missed a lot of open shots. He missed some open shots late down the stretch, but I thought Boston's game plan was perfect today. I, I thought their defensive game plan was perfect. They literally meet, met, made everyone else beat them besides Stephen Curry, and Andrew Wiggins did. And like I like when we just turn this on to start this off, man. Like you got to give your flowers to Wiggins. You know, there's someone in every single playoff series throughout the playoffs, throughout history, throughout the finals. Right? You go back to last year. You had the Devin Booker game. Um, you had. Uh, Chris Paul go off against the Bucks, And then obviously you had the big Drew Holiday game. Game five makes the steal, had a bunch of points, was efficient from three. Um, and then obviously the Giannis closeout game. Right. And obviously he was consistent. And these star players need to be throughout the time here. But that's the problem with Boston right now is they're just too inconsistent. Matt, I think they went seven, maybe nine straight threes in the third quarter to climb back. I think they were down about 12 at halftime. They had no business being down at halftime by that much uh they should have been the game should have been over at half but golden state just couldn't put them away boston takes the lead but then as you flipped it on and i'm like hey the game's in the fourth quarter i know you're just waking up from a super long weekend working is uh dude turn this on we got a close game and they fall apart right and you look at the box score and you could see this throughout the game there are three main facilitators matt tatum smart brown the guys that are always gonna have the ball in their hands four turnovers for tatum four turnovers for smart and five turnovers for brown now, what I don't understand, and I don't know if you noticed this, Matt, from, you know, watching a quarter, basically. I know you haven't been able to tune into as much of the series outside of the box score is like, did you notice how bad Jalen Brown is like dribbling, man? Like he's so erratic. Did you notice that? I noticed how their entire team didn't seem to be able to find rhythm when it came to who is the who who's the attacker right now. Who's the guy that's actually going to run this offense? Right. You know, yes, they're moving the ball around a lot, but there was no ISO. And as much as I hate ISO basketball, you still need it at times, especially when you're in that that zone that they were in, where the Warriors were starting to build this lead. But there was yeah. opportunity. Loney missed the layup. Uh, there were a couple missed layups. Steph's missing shots. Like all they had to do was go down, set the offense, and run the offense through one player and get that shot. And they couldn't find it. Brown was committing term, turnovers. I think he had like two or three in the, the fourth. In a row, too. That's, yeah, yeah, it's just so bad. Um, Tatum couldn't make a shot, couldn't create a shot. That was the thing I saw, right? Like he Wiggins had him. It was 
I'm not letting you score. And if you're going to score, it's going to be really, really challenging. Um, and smart in all honesty, after that issue with uh, Jordan Poole, where yeah. he kind of brushes off Poole and Poole draws the foul, then hits the three. I felt like smart completely checked himself out of the game. Uh, it, it just, they don't, they're missing a key piece. They're missing a guy on that backcourt that, that can take the ball. So it's not even that Matt, the, the key piece, this is the key. And I mean, if you guys followed me on Twitter, this is what I, I, I scream this. And I think it's pretty obvious if you watch enough ball and I've watched enough Celtics, unfortunately, because they've taken our team out. Um, you know, we were rooting for them against Brooklyn in the first round. Um, it's Robert Williams. He, t- he when he tore his MCL at the mid, I don't know, two two months before the season was over, you knew it would be a big deal, Matt. So you look at the box score, and I'm not a massive plus minus guy, but this is the least surprising thing I see in the box score. He was the only plus to, minus when it comes to the Boston Celtics. They are way better than the Warriors when Bobby Williams is on the court. Yeah. It's not. It's non-deniable. It's non-negotiable. You turn every all the minutes every game that Williams is on the court he is making a difference. Now today he only got to play 30 minutes and it cost them. He's plus 11, Matt. They have mm-hmm. no answer for him. Now he's not an offensive powerhouse, but what he does is he clogs up the lane and gets offensive rebounds. He's an automatic lob threat. So he forces the defense to stick in the paint a little bit longer, which then opens up the driving lanes, opens up the three point opportunities. And when he's not in there, you know, the last six, seven, eight minutes of the game is when you see what we saw tonight and what we keep continually seeing from the Boston Celtics. It was a I know breakdown. Tatum's the guy. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, I know Tatum's the guy. But Robert Williams, in my opinion, is the most valuable player. I don't think he's the best player. He's the most valuable X factor, whatever you want to call him. And when he's not out there, the Celtics lose. And if and he's hurt, Matt, there's no way his MCO, there's no way his knee is close to 100%. There's just no way. And if they can't get Rob, if they can't get Bobby out there for, honestly, man, 37, 38 minutes in game six, and then another 37, 38 minutes in game seven, um, it's a wrap. Well, and it's interesting you say this because I've been saying that about Chris Milton with the Milwaukee series, right? Chris Milton's not Milwaukee's best player, but arguably their most valuable player, uh, the way that he made, you know, the team gel. And you saw what happened with Milwaukee. Didn't really stand a chance against Boston, right? Because as great as Giannis is, we needed that second piece. And, you know, talking about Williams here, uh, I saw it firsthand. You know, the lanes were clogged. The three-pointers, you know, weren't happening. You were having this rotational defense. And Boston looked bad. Again, I only watched maybe eight or nine minutes. But they looked terrible. They looked awful. Like, basically, first-round knockout awful. And if one player can make that big of a difference to his team. The general manager has a lot of work to do in the offseason because you can't allow yourself to have that big of a deficit. And I'd say the same thing about Milwaukee. Same thing about Milwaukee. Chris goes out, you got to have an ability to get through that playoff round. And they couldn't, right? So whose fault is that? That's on the roster construction. You've allowed one guy to be far too important. And I look at also the way that Golden State's kind of constructed here. Is it Loney? Am I saying that properly? It's Looney is how you say Looney. it. Yeah, like they have the same issue, but they're battle-tested, right? They've been together. They understand how to play in their offense because Looney didn't look very good at the end of this game either. Like, Yeah, he, he looked kinda, gassed. He looked gassed. I mean, missing shots, like not getting back on defense, not being in the right position. Um, 
But again, I think the biggest takeaway I, I take from this game was Andrew Wiggins in the fourth quarter at the end of the game looked like the best player on the court because he was not gassed. He was playing the best defense. He was quick. He was versatile on offense. Um, he he won this game for them. There's no question about that. Yeah, and that's something that you're you're right about the roster construction because Golden State's deep, and you know, and you, you crawl down the box score even farther. And what I didn't get about game one, he must have not been healthy enough, is why they didn't even, Gary Payton didn't see the floor game one. Yeah. I think you remember me kind of bitching and complaining about that. 26 minutes tonight, six for eight from the field, hit a three, 15 points, plus 16 on the field, man, three steals, uh, five rebounds. Like, dude, just timely layups, right cuts to the basket, giving guys a hard time, right? Stripping Jalen Brown, um, like, to your point, you know, the Bucks lose Middleton, they're dead. Right. We're, we're yeah. relying on Grayson Allen and Patty Connington, who Pat played well and, and Portis had a bad series. Right. And it can you imagine him. having Gary, though? Could you even imagine? Yeah. Like, well, well, that's what I mean. And, and well, it's not even that they go Peyton, they go pool. Looney's been starting. They have him coming off the bench. Um, and, and that's it. The other guys that they bring in there are, in my opinion, kind of trash. And it shows they unleash the whole bench because Boston waved the white flag. But. You know, to be able to go that deep is is incredible. I'd argue, to your point of the roster construction, a guy like Chris is irreplaceable. You know, a guy like Bob Williams is irreplaceable. I think he's one of the best young defenders, young big men in the league. And, you know, it'd be the same thing if, like, a, if, if Wiggins got hurt, right? If Wiggins couldn't play in this series for some reason, rolls an ankle, freak accident, right? And he, he's out. There, there's no replacing Wiggins. You can bring in mm -hmm. Gary Payton as much as you want, but it, but it's going to cost them. You know, it's always that glue guy. I will, we'll call them the glue guys, you know? Yeah. Curry Thompson, Curry, Curry Thompson are the superstars. You lose that glue guy and every team has that glue guy. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think of the other teams that got eliminated this year that were like halfway decent, you know, Phoenix. I, I, I don't know what happened, but yeah. I, that, that's what I'd say is is some teams and the great teams have that glue guy that just kind of fix everything when stuff's going bad. For Golden State, it's obviously Wiggins, right? For Boston, it's obviously Bob Williams. And I'd argue for Milwaukee, that's that's what Chris Middleton and, and kind of to like close this whole thing here. No, I fully agree with you. And you're right. You can't replace that. It's funny. A coworker of mine brought up the concept of replacing an injured player when it comes to dollars and cents. Um, and their overall salary, right? We'll talk about replacing a max level guy. Right. And he said, it's just impossible financially. And I said, well, you don't, you can't replace a guy financially anyways midseason. But I think what he was trying to articulate <laughs> was you lose that max level player that also holds up that concept of depth on your roster outside of Golden State. Right, Golden right, State's right, right. So willing to go over the luxury, right? Um, and you look at Milwaukee, you talked about with Grayson Allen. And Pat Covington, like, honestly, I'd rather have Gary Payton Jr., right? Like, a guy that can go Who in was there. on Milwaukee last year, by the way. Or maybe the year before that. He, but, but he, he was on the G-League team. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing that I think Golden State's done so well, and I think other NBA teams need to take note of that. And, again, that's very hard because of the way Golden State's up and down um, records have gone, which have allowed them draft picks and, you know, whatever. I think at the end of the day, if you have that glue piece, like Williams or Chris, you better make sure going into your season, you have two or three guys behind him that you moderately trust. And we trust from a Milwaukee perspective, Pat Covington. Like I trust Covington. Oh, not to sure. take Chris's role, but at least to like be there. And Pat had, I think, a bad series, you know, just like because he's he stepped into a role that he isn't really his. He's really, really good at his role. 
But you look at Gary over here with Golden State, elevating his game, right? Being able to do things that didn't necessarily think were possible because that's just the type of player he is in that system. So right. to, just to close it out, I, I think, you know, it, it's unfortunate for Boston to see Williams hurt. But you see one glue guy not living up to expectations because of an injury, and you see another glue guy in Wiggins elevating his game to another level. That is oftentimes the difference in a in a playoff series. You know, like that it's that second guy. How does that second guy play? We talked about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum a lot. Well, Brown's series has kind of been whatever. And you have Wiggins here ascending himself, right? You have Williams hurt. So just interesting notes. Okay, so what brought this conversation up is I told Matt, I was like, the luxury tax is so weird in the NBA and Golden State is by far has the top cap space or excuse me, active cap in the NBA. So obviously it's worth it, right? Um, you and I both picked Golden State to win at this point with them up three to two in the series. It would be kind of shocking if they didn't win, but at the same time, like, you know, they're right there. So um, and of course they have right now an active cap. $175 million in active cap right now on the roster, obviously headed by four of the five guys that start clay, Steph, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, all making max player deals. And it's working. You know, if you watched game six or excuse me, game five, Andrew Wiggins, that max contract paid dividends, right? I'm not a massive fan of Draymond green, but he is paying dividends in his own way. Right. Obviously, Stephen Clay. And you look at some of these other teams at the top here, and we're going to get into ba- in baseball here in a second. And man, some teams are spending a lot of money and not seeing any return. Yeah, I think for $170 million in estimated luxury tax, uh, ultimately the bill that the Warriors are going to have to pay, you look at what the organization is doing on top of capping this dynasty run that they've had. Like this might be one of those very slim opportunities where 170 million dollars is worth paying for a title because it really does found like settle the foundation for what this team has been is and now is going to be because i also think after this season we're going to see some of these pieces stripped away and they've obviously been willing to pay this luxury tax over the past three or four years and we've talked about this on on monday right like there have hasn't been full-time success you know they got the number two overall pick for a reason because once thompson once durant got hurt they had those few years of roadblocks, and this is right. it. This is the final run. So it's not even just paying the luxury tax of this year. It's the last few years. So this championship really is going to cost them about half a billion dollars or a quarter of a billion dollars in luxury tax that they've paid over X amount of years now while losing. Um, and I do still think in the NBA, like, that's worth it. You know, you look back in 50 years at this Warriors dynasty, if they can beat the Celtics, that's four championships in the course of eight, nine years, right? Like that's Yeah, something like that pretty incredible right um and that's what you're paying for you're paying for that history you're paying for the brand to have recognition for the next 25 years and that's what this championship is also helping aid so i definitely think think the money is well spent um you look at the clippers here though and you know i i definitely don't feel the same way you do about the clippers i think they've basically been lighting money on fire i think they organize their rostering correctly next year will be the year right we're going to find out with Golden State not obviously being as powerhouse as I think we expect them to be in the 2022-2023 season. The Clippers can't win next year. They've definitely just wasted a bunch of money, but they're on this list at three with $83 million in luxury cap. Um, They're bill ultimately, and that's a lot of cash. 
It's a ton. It's a ton of cash. Yeah. And they're actually second in active cap, which is the luxury tax is a little weird to me. I don't really get how, how that works. Um, but yeah, they're, they're second. I have them at 164, almost point, 164.5, uh, million dollars on the cap space. And, and yeah, I do disagree with you. I think their roster construction is completely fine. I think what they're doing is correct. Obviously, you know how much I like Ty Lue. If you've listened to this podcast or Matt kind of make fun of me about how much I do like Ty Lue, even though he's a very good coach. Um, I think them similar to, you know, we're going to go through the top five here in a second, but them similar to Milwaukee, like the injuries suck. And now their injuries are different than Milwaukee's injuries where Milwaukee made the playoffs, had a freak injury. I personally think, and it doesn't really matter because it's hypothetical, but that the Bucks would 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 be either one of these teams with a healthy Chris Middleton, I still think they're the best team in basketball right now with Giannis. Um, but Kawhi and Paul George are old, right? And Kawhi tearing his ACL last year in the playoffs automatically set him out for this entire season. And I agree with you. Next year is the year. And it's felt like next year is the year for the Clippers ever since they made that massive splash in the offseason to bring over Kawhi, trade for Paul George, um, and kind of start this little new dynasty after the Lob City Clippers. So, it's been a massive disappointment and a big waste of money, but it is buying them a, a stadium. I think Steve Ballmer is paying for the stadium himself. He's not charging LA. So they will be out of the Staples Center. I don't know if it's next year or in the next three years, but you know, I, I think the money is definitely been wasted with the Clippers, but I disagree with you. I think the roster construction is fine. I think in my opinion, they have a top three team in the Western conference, but it's all dependent upon Kawhi. I still think when healthy, he's top five. Um, but obviously, if he's not out there, they're going to be a team that's playing in the play-in. And Paul George, if he's going to miss 25, 30 games, they can get bit and lose a game on one night against the New Orleans Pelicans that they should have won. Well, and it's funny. I think this is a direct correlation to our comparison here with Major League Baseball um, because I I would compare Kawhi Leonard very much so to Mike Trout, uh, his right. desire to win, ultimately. I, don't get me wrong. That run with the, the Toronto Raptors was amazing. Obviously, he wanted to win. But he's definitely, from a persona perspective and a personality perspective, a guy that you can't really isolate or understand because he's not very well outspoken, right? But again, this is the direct correlation to Mike Trout, right? You have the Clippers sitting here second on the list, you said, with overall cap, not including dead cap, which is ultimately Correct. players. Yeah. Um, and you look at the Angels sitting here. Where are the Angels on our list, Matt? They're at eighth, which I think is kind of low, actually. Uh yeah, I have the Angels total payroll one five at at eighth. Yep, yeah, or for twenty twenty two for this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have them in the eighth spot. Yep, but yeah. um, still that's they're they're top ten, and I mean they're not too far behind. They're at one hundred and eighty nine. The White Sox are one ninety five. Red Sox are at two hundred two. Right, they're you know eleven twelve million short. Um, when it comes to the top five area there. Yeah, and I guess the reason I bring them up is, you know, we talk about roster construction, we talk about longevity runs, wasted money, really. You know, like I gave Trout a lot of guff this beginning of the season about not being on the field, but I have to do the same thing with Kawhi Leonard, you know? Like if you look back in two or three years from now and the Clippers do not have a championship, it's going to be because Kawhi Leonard's A, injury, people are going to say. And I will say, no, it's not because of the injury. It's because this was an incorrect matching. And you signed a guy that doesn't really have that killer mentality to win basketball games. That's what I see from Kawhi Leonard. I don't see that from Curry. I don't see that from LeBron. I don't see that from Giannis. I have seen it from Kawhi since he was in San Antonio. And yeah, he definitely had a good series down there, which is now probably 10 or 11 years ago. 
Um, but I, w- I want to see more out of him this season if you're going to spend that money. Because if, if, we, if we don't, we're going to be talking a lot about the Clippers, about how you and I kind of talk about the Angels, where you have Rendon p- being paid an exuberant amount of money as well as Trout. You know, that's almost half your payroll in two players, much like the Clippers have. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I think that's an incredible comparison monetary-wise, right? You've got Trout and Rendon are the two and three highest-paid players in uh, Major League Baseball. I know Kawhi is probably up there in top five. Paul George is probably top ten. But still, you're you're putting your entire franchise on the line, paying these two guys top, top dollar in order to win a championship. And if they're not on the field, if Trout and Rendon aren't, every time those guys are on the field together, that's why they were so hot. You know, they looked good. They're great players. They're all-star caliber players, no doubt. I think, you know, we're going to get into an all-star episode here their next week or the week after for baseball. But, I mean, I think Trout's still an all-star this year. I don't think he's missed enough games. You know, his numbers put it where, you know, he's either in or right number four, right, the first backup. Um, but you, But Rendon's not there. And then when Rendon's there, Trout's not there. And that's just kind of like how Kawhi and PG have been. But when they were together, it was incredible. They had a sick run last year in the postseason, and then Kawhi hurt his knee, and that's all she wrote, right? Um, the top five in, in basketball, though, Golden State, Clippers, Brooklyn, Bucks, Lakers. Six is Utah, which is alarming to me. Um, but with the top five there, money well spent, Matt, I think it's obvious. Golden State and Milwaukee, right? Golden State and Milwaukee. What's funny about them, too, for them being number one and number four, out of that 175, their top three contracts, so their three best players for Golden State, 115 of that 175. For the Bucks, 107 out of that 150. And that, in my opinion, that 107 and that 115, that's well spent, right? The Bucks are nothing without Giannis. Uh, Middleton and Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was incredible. Golden State, I'm still, I don't love Draymond, but they're still not the team without Clay, Draymond, and Steph. They're not in the finals. They're not doing what they're doing without those three guys. I don't get how it works with Dre, but like it's just the truth. And we just talked about the Clippers, but Brooklyn, I wouldn't consider that money well spent. Their top three is at 110 million. I think their third guy. I don't even know. I really don't even know who it is. Is it DeAndre Jordan's on the team? Uh, it's not. Well, Simmons is Blake on a max Griffin. deal. Oh, there you go. That's that's the third guy. Like, I mean, TBD, but that money doesn't seem well spent, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean you got the Kyrie debacle over there. Kevin Durant's well spent, obviously. Yeah, sure. And and I think I think there's a lot of kind of smoke that needs to clear on that situation right now and, and as we move into next season. Uh, the team that really concerns me on this list, and it's not even active cap, um, it's actually their their negative cap space is the Minnesota Tw- Timberwolves. Uh, they're in at negative $52 million. And you talk about wasted space, right? We're talking about what <laughs> um, Carl Anthony Towns being really the only asset outside of Edwards that they have, and Edwards isn't even on a max deal right now. Right, 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 right. You just look at some of the way these teams have spent money in comparison to Brooklyn, Golden State, and Milwaukee. Like The numbers aren't really that far away, and their teams are just terrible. Terrible. Um, terrible. And obviously that goes to like if you don't have a top 10 player in the league, honestly top five, you're probably not making the finals or winning the finals, right? Uh, we'll probably say top 10 since Tatum and Curry are – arguably those guys in this series here uh so from minnesota's perspective like you're kind of just floundering until edwards becomes that guy in the top 10 but you're still you're still spending the money 
And as you like churn through the guys like Jimmy Butler, um, and who's the kid they got from Golden State? The kid that uh, used to be on the Lakers, went to Ohio State. Oh, yeah, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and Russell, right? They're talking about Russell possibly being shot before the draft this year. Like every time you trade one of those guys, you incur more dead cap. So, like, you're just going to be left with this two, three, five million dollars of shedded cap weight from a trade every single season. That adds up. That takes away. Yeah. A guy that maybe a seventh rotational piece on the bench that might take away Gary Payton the second, right? Like that's a huge difference on a team like Golden State. Like these teams need to be more mindful about how they're spending their money today, so when they're competitive tomorrow, they can construct a roster with a little bit less financial work. Right, and that and that brings up a great point for like Boston. Boston's thirteenth on the list. Thirteenth, mm-hmm. their top three guys are making eighty million right now. 131 million active. They're only $22 or 22, 22 million in the hole, which isn't that bad for this list here, to be honest. And they have big decisions to make, right? Like they're going to have to keep the core together. So they're probably going to pay smart. They're probably going to pay Tatum. They're probably going to pay Brown and they're going to find themselves up there with the same deal, right? $110 million dedicated to three guys. And that's just like you said, right? That's where you lose the role players. That's where you lose the Derek whites, the Bob Williams, right? We just talked about him in our last segment about how much they need him, how much I love him, how much they're struggling without him. Um, And, you know, you end up in a situation like the Lakers Lakers fifth highest, Right, hundred and twenty million of their hundred and forty-seven is to their top is to the their big quote unquote big three. That is the losing. That is a losing situation. That is a lose lose situation there. Well, and one of the big things uh, the Lakers kind of fall in this classification that I just talked about. Right, they to, I think this year was the last year they were paying Luol Deng. Yeah, like shame on you. You know what I mean? And like LeBron wanted to come to LA, and there's all of this, but like. Sometimes you need to take a look at the books and be like, damn, you have three guys on here that are being paid X amount of dollars, you know, that right. essentially equate a $27 million player, we'll say. And I think ultimately the way that Milwaukee has chosen to do it, and even honestly, the way the Warriors have chosen to do it, where you're paying yep. valuable players, where you're paying guys that need to be here to win the game uh, or help you win a championship, by all means. Like you're telling me you're going to pay Marcus Smart a max contract. Right. Absolutely not. No Can't. way. Because you put him and Drew Holiday in the same equation. Like I believe in Drew Holiday as a shot creator as well as a playmaker and a score at a far better um, level than I think about Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is a great defender. So is Tony Allen. Would you pay Tony Allen max player money? Absolutely not. So I think the idea that Boston has to like really make some decisions here is is absolutely right. I think the decision needs to be okay. Marcus Smart, thanks and goodbye. Right. Or or if he's just going to be open to taking a little bit more of a team-friendly deal, right, and not fully burying them because Boston's best asset is their depth, right? Boston's mm. best asset is their team because they don't know how to piece together a complete game. They do it like once every six games, right? Game one of the finals this this year, you know, that game seven against Milwaukee. But they don't, they're not ran by one or two guys. And I agree with you. Like the money's well spent for Milwaukee and Golden State because it's spent on the face of the franchise, the example of the franchise, the culture of the franchise. Going back to Draymond Green, like he really on the basketball court doesn't do a ton, but he's the culture, right? He's the leader. He's the asshole of the team. And they need that. If they didn't have Draymond, they wouldn't be good. And it's just crazy to think, even though I'm on Twitter, just like bench this guy. He's so fucking bad sometimes. 
Um, the yeah, other team, also, wanted, there's timelines, ahead. right? Like, like you can let Draymond go after this season. If I'm the front office, if I'm the, the sure. fans, like you win the championship, you keep Wiggins, you let Draymond go. It's time. Yeah, or you, you tell him, him like, bro, you, you, yeah. we can't pay you forty million. Like, can yeah. can we please bring in? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of someone random, right? Like Donovan Mitchell's the first thing that pops up, but he's not a fit. But still, can we go? Can we go get someone? Can we go get McCollum? Right? Can we go get anybody? Um, I feel you. And and then you look at Utah. They're in the situation, the sixth highest payroll. And I mean, honestly, like preseason, you look at it, you put the cards on the deck, right? You look at the favorites to win the title: Golden State, Clippers, Nets, Bucks, Lakers. Sure. You know, sure, right? Like I, I, I'd put a futures on all of them. I, and feel okay about it. And then you get to six, Utah. <laughs> You're fucking right, dude. I know I wouldn't ever be like, yeah, Utah might win it this year. And they're paying the sixth highest cap space right now, or the sixth highest payroll. It's unbelievable, dude. Well, and- I think that's that's market threshold too. Like you got Grobera and you've got Mitchell, but outside of that, who else is on that team? Honestly, as a novice basketball fan, like. I can't think of another. I know they player. traded away Ingles, and he was on a pretty high contract. They're paying mm-hmm. Jordan Clarkson up the ass to come off the bench. Clarkson's being paid um, a lot. Yeah. Bogdanovich is getting a lot of money as well, and it's like, I don't know. And we discussed this earlier. It's you know there gets to a point though that there's only so many good players, and you gotta pay people to stay too. Like they're in just this terrible limit, terrible spot. But they're also it's playing horrible. in Utah. They're also like they're number two or number one, however you want to look at it, is arguably Rudy Gobert like who who wants to come and play with who wants yeah 100% that's that's very similar when the Bucks had Glenn Robinson and you know Ray Allen and Sam Cassell it was kind of like well Glenn yeah he's the second overall pick first overall pick whatever he was up there yeah but he's not really that good and Ray Allen's incredible but he's also just a you know a shot crew a shot guy he's a shooter um and, and I think it's the market right like Utah again they're just screwed. You said it perfectly. Like you got to pay these guys. You got to stay competitive. Like you, you, you have a window to be good. They're utilizing that window to be good, and they're overpaying for it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we got your you got your value teams here at the bottom. I think teams at the bottom of this list that are are on the up and up, right? That are looking good. Obviously, you love the very last team on there, the Oklahoma City Thunder, paying a, a whopping forty seven million dollars <laughs> in pay. The, the the price of one player on the Warriors is their entire payroll. I think you um, should be able to roll it over, honestly. Like especially in the NBA, not in Major League Baseball or in the NFL, but like in basketball, if you can do this, because they're not like they're not terrible. They're not good. They're not terrible. And if you can be not terrible and save money, you should be able to roll that shit into the next year and then roll that into the next year and the next year and the next year and the next year. I mean, they're pretty bad. I think they have like the the fourth or fifth pick here in the draft upcoming in a couple of weeks. But I, I get I get what you're saying. You know, I, I yeah, really they're, do. They're, they're fun to watch too. Like they have a couple of young kids that are like, oh, I'll, right. I'll watch this I mean, game, they're, you know? they're in a full rebuild, right? Like if, if yeah. you can, if they can somehow finagle their way into the top three and pull off like I'm... I'm I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but like Paolo, you know, like I'd mm. I'd be all in on them getting him. Um, another team pretty low on the on the list that's actually super competitive is the Dallas Mavericks. They're at 21. They're on the bottom half of the list. There, obviously, they're paying Luca, but 115 million, not bad. And they're paying Dinwiddie up the ass after they traded him for 
um, Porzingis, and then the Phoenix Suns, who are 16th, and they're deciding to be stingy with Aiton. That's going to be one of the biggest storylines of the offseason, Matt, is do they want to pay Aiton? Now, me, I don't really think it's much of a question why they wouldn't, especially with his age, where the team's going, CP's on his way out. It's going to be him and Booker, in my opinion, but um, them at the 16th highest, uh, or yeah, 16th lowest, or is it higher or lowest? I don't even know how to correctly say this, but <laughs> number 16 on the payroll here, 78% winning percentage this year. That's impressive. Well, yeah, and you said it though, one of their big key pieces is on an, uh, an expiring contract, right? And right. where does the organization want to go? I, I think. You know, we could compare this obviously to baseball as well. The Rays probably same thing, right? Like, okay, they just now Aiden is very similar to probably you look at David Price years ago when uh, Tampa Bay was making their playoff runs and their pushes, and they decided to ultimately trade away David Price to I think it was either the Tigers or Boston that season. Yeah, it was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, you know, we're never going to be competitive again. Lo and behold, here we are, seven, eight years later, and it's like, oh, it was totally the right move. <laughs> it was super um, smart. Yeah, yeah, it was super smart, right? Because because it, it was like, okay, well, we can just replace them with other people. It's not the same in the NBA, though, right? Like Aiden's ability is, as a number one overall pick may not have lived up to the hype of that that draft selection, but he's a very good player still. Hundred um, percent. The problem, though, and I think this is the difference we see between baseball and basketball. Guys that are top 10 in basketball want number one overall money. And right. In baseball, like, no, nah, bro, you're not getting that. If you're not Max well, Scherzer, in, I, you're I not mean, this is, it's, a, it's a sheer numbers game, too. Like, there are less basketball players than there are mm-hmm. baseball players. Mm-hmm. There are less DeAndre Aytons. Like, DeAndre Ayton sits down at the table and he says, fine, you don't need to pay me Embiid. You don't need to, need to pay me Jokic money, but I will take three less million a year. Because you can't argue anybody else in my yeah, head. and I you, say you goodbye. Can, you, you you can stack for sure. I, I feel that right. I, I get that. But like, if you're the Suns, it's like, are you, are you really willing to say goodbye? Like, are you gonna go draft someone? Right? Are you gonna go pick up? Fucking is Javale McGee gonna start? Few? You know, I like feel you. you're, you're feel in you. this conundrum, right? Like, you you can maybe pull it off, maybe right? But, or you're gonna I don't know. But we've also seen the NBA. These kinds of contracts completely destroy a franchise. Destroy sure. a franchise. And I will say just from like the slight bit of knowledge I have, look at the Porzingis contract. You know, like they had to go out and get Dinwiddie, who was nice. Who was nice. But for how many years? Right. Two and a half years. I think it was two and a half years. Something they missed out on free agents. Know. They missed out on making moves because like they hadn't given up on Porzingis yet. And it's like, okay, like when are we going to see a healthy Porzingis and Luca play? And like, can it really work? And can we get a run out of them? And okay, here we are. It didn't work. Now it's Dinwiddie. We missed out on these free agents. Will the same thing happen with Booker? And then you lose Booker. You know, you sign Aiden to a $38 million a year contract. You're not allowed to sign anybody else because you're so stretched, right? You're already only $2 million away from cap luxury um, threshold here. You give Aiden that money, you better be damn sure that he's the guy you want. Because Dallas was too, and it didn't work. Yeah, um, I think it's a good transition into baseball because can you do you know do they does baseball they do a luxury tax as well, right? Like I know they mm-hmm. don't have a salary cap, but they do. It's similar to basketball, right? Like they do charge a threshold amount at 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 X dollar amount. Do you know what that dollar amount is, Matt? Or no, 
No, but we can look it up Let's right now. Let's go check that out real quick. Because I so when a team goes over the luxury tax the first time, it must pay a twenty percent tax on the difference amount it went over. If they go over okay. the threshold two years in a row, the team pays a thirty percent tax on the difference. Oh, if the team goes over it again for the third year, that penalty rises to fifty percent. So unlike holy um, shit, fifty percent if you do it three years in a row. So the Yankees and the Dodgers are paying out the ass then. Yeah, but it's only on what you're over. It's not your total. Sure, but 50% of what, I mean, they've got to be, I, I mean, I'll say conservatively, $30 million over. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Dodgers that's right 15, now. Say that's we, 15 mil right there, minimum. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers right now, say we look at the fact that they are in 2021, they're $50 million over, almost exactly, with 50, $259 million, right? So $49 million, we'll say 50 so that would be $25 million that they're paying in tax. In tax. But honestly, like when you get have the when you actually look at the roster construction of the Dodgers, who fucking cares? Honestly, who cares? $25 I feel million. That. Whatever. I feel that it's they're big a guaranteed they're a guaranteed they're almost a guaranteed NLCS, you know? Like straight up, right? Like they they're they're, they're going to win the division most likely. I mean, I know Bueller just went down yesterday, so let me run through the top 5 and we'll get into this. So, I'm actually going to go top 10 for baseball because it's a little different. Uh, number one, and this is for 2022, this season, uh, New York Mets. Dodgers, number two. New York Yankees, number three. <laughs> Phillies, number four. Padres, five. Red Sox, six. White Sox, seven. There's our Angels, eight. Braves, nine. And the Houston Astros, 10. I'll even throw this out there for good measure. Uh, Toronto, 11. Barely. So yeah. what you're saying is like that is money well spent for the Dodgers. 100%. The Dodgers well, have been relevant for I don't know. They they've been in the playoffs for what like 8 9 years. Well, When's the last time they missed? It's been a minute. There's two things about this, right? 25 million dollars in comparison to 170 million dollars that Golden State is paying. So you look at the the two sports. Yeah, that's wild, right? Yeah. 170 million dollars just throw it into a, a shredder. Gone, right? Well, yeah, because, it's like, okay, yeah, well, you know, think, the NBA's just like, yeah, thank you. You can go yeah, take your I title. Mean, go take yeah, your title. It's the league, but yeah, yeah, we're getting paid. You know what no, I mean? No, for sure. Yeah, it's wild. Like, um, you can stack your roster as much as you want, but uh, we're going to get ours, too. But it's funny, too, because if you look at the way Golden State and, and the Dodgers, for example, here, even the New York Mets, we'll talk about it in a minute, uh, how they, like, structure the, the price of the actual product. Golden State's season tickets their um their seat whatever you call that their seat licensing everything golden state does in that arena is extremely expensive and it's because they're paying this luxury tax and they knew that when they moved into the new stadium right they're like right. we're gonna have to pay for this roster so we keep the product and the brand the same and right, we're gonna right, charge right. these people because these people have so much goddamn money it does not matter <laughs> they don't right. care right they, they just they're millionaires and billionaires well and like and regular folk to interrupt you like me like I wanted to go to the NBA Finals to watch the Bucks win last year. I spent stupid money, you know, like you, you, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's what I mean. And it, it yeah. was like a, a few thousand dollars to go watch them win that game. And that's I'm like a regular person, you know, like I'm not rich, I'm not poor, but I'm not like I wasn't stoked to spend that money, but I did it right. So to your point, like the people will come. Yeah. You you're you're hosting a finals game, the people will come. Yep. 
hundred percent. And, and that's the difference too, like $170 million in that luxury tax is the difference. Like, yes, New York Mets, LA Dodgers, New York Yankees. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick with that. Those three teams, like you can still elevate prices above where Kansas city, Milwaukee, Tampa Bay, where these teams are spending, but you can't do it as egregiously as the golden state warriors because hey, the product is different. The stadium is different. The expectation is different. There's a slight amount of area that you can elevate those prices and make it okay. So really, as opposed to NBA, MLB is really elevating their payroll and their revenue stream off that, um, that media contract and the way that they make that money. So the Mets obviously have a bigger media contract, Dodgers, Yankees, right? Two of the biggest markets in the entire world. There's no question as to why they can spend this money. It's because they're also bringing in that revenue. Right, 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 right. No, hundred percent. And I mean, unlike, um, unlike basketball, the top three are an absolute slam dunk in baseball this year, Mets, Dodgers, Yankees. Um, the LA Lakers of this group thus far in the baseball season, you know, we're almost halfway through is the Phillies, right? Mm -hmm. They busted their nut, right? Obviously you and I are are Harper guys. You're obviously that's your favorite player. Um, but they, they sent it, they got Schwarber, they spent the money on Castellanos, um, you know, fourth highest payroll in the league and their, their win percentage is 500, 500, um, so, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago is their money wasn't well spent. Like we like, I like Castellanos. We obviously love Harper, but they fall into the situation where they're just blown games. They're in the angel spot. Like you, you have all this top dollar up here for almost nothing to show for it this far. <clears throat> we just set that up at the Lakers, didn't we? Yeah. A hundred percent. So your there's big the three parallels. Is, yeah. Your big three is, I think it was like about 80 to 90. It's probably 80% of their entire payroll congrats you guys didn't make the playoffs well we said this before you know you go into the season with Corey Knable as your closer you go into the season with Russell Westbrook as your point guard right like you knew what was really going to happen the likelihood right. of of Russ working and a Knable being a lockdown closer I joked with you when we jumped on today he, he blew another save and someone in the crowd was yelling at him to go back to Milwaukee and it was like right it's like God, like literally parallels between the the Phillies and the Lakers in this, these two seasons. It's really yeah, sad. and I mean, and I and I know this this guy's not. I'm not here to bury him specifically, but like JT Realmuto, twenty it was twenty four million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Like he's a nice player. It's terrible. Twenty four mil, you know, um, you know they got Wheeler at twenty six. They got Harper at twenty seven. But scroll, that, uh, you know that it's JT just like, contract is what I would say about Aiden. That's you, you know yeah. where it's like. Where you're in the Come negotiating on. table and you're like, you know what? I can find an Omar Narvaez and he'll do 80% of what you do and I can pay him $7 million. And yeah. just, you know what I mean? And I'm not going to lock into him long term. This Real Muto contract is bad. It was bad before he signed it. Yeah, man. And then, you know, like, I think that that is the one because Schwarber at 19. Uh, Castellanos at 20 like that's a that's a fair deal right stories at 20 right now he got 20 Baez got 20 Gosman's at 21 Turner at 21 like I I think that's anywhere in the fair play uh, realm of contracts right you start creeping up into the high 30s is where you're like "Mm, yeah that's that's kind of a waste of money you know obviously here goes the Dodgers David Price they're paying him 32 million dollars this year but Jesus. With, with and, price, and I would have to go back and look at what this trade was. 
Um, it, oh, it was the Mookie Betts trade. So that they was, got, that's, yeah. They got Mookie, but the deal was, you're taking you're David. Taking you know, that. You're taking yeah. this guy you're in taking this fat that contract. contract. Yeah. Yep. So, so not only are you paying Mookie, who I'm, I'm looking for him on here But that's right the thing, too. right? Like, And I knew when they signed Mookie to the contract after the trade, I was like, okay, you're not paying Mookie this 30-some million dollars a year. You're paying him right. the David Price contract, too. So I think David Price, three or four years, and we'll say $90 million. You've got to add At that least. $90 million to the Mookie contract because David's a is a liability out there. Well, I mean, like, yeah, he's, he's arguably not even a pro-level pitcher at this Correct. point in his career, you know? Correct. Um, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier, you know, the the Trout and Rendon 2-3. Mets have 1-4, Scherzer and DeGrom, and they're not even paying dividends on those guys right now yet. Which and, is scary. Which is which scary. Is, which is crazy because they're obviously... Eh, Scherzer played well until he got hurt, but mm-hmm. that's the key. That's the ring. That's kind of the whole point of this segment is if those guys can come back, the Mets probably win the World Series. They're definitely getting there. If both of those guys come back to be who they're getting paid 43 and $36 million respectively, right? They come back, they win it. And then all is forgotten. The $260 million in payroll, 100% worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, back to... 60 million over, you know, 50 million dollars over, 25 million dollars into the wind, like whatever. And especially with a team that has a brand new owner, a guy that's kind of looking at how am I going to, you know, how am I going to run this organization over the next 10 years? And if he can go ahead and pull this off, huge win. On top of that, though, the Mets also don't have as much dead money as these other teams have, just from my overall right. like, logical perspective. Sure, there's the joke of the Bobby Bonilla contract and Bobby Bonilla day, but. <laughs> You talk about David Price, and that's a massive, massive hit against the Dodgers because also there's someone else on that that team that isn't being incurred financially, but it does indicate in this number, which is Trevor Bauer. Right. So Trevor Bauer, obviously, you know, is, is as of right now suspended and will not be paid. But if he wins that suspension, um, or if he wins his appeal, the Dodgers are going to have to pay him, cut him, pay him, whatever you want to do, because they had to pay him up until now. So you have two big allocated financial pieces on this team. The Mets aren't that way. The reason I say that is because the Mets at the deadline could go out and add more money, could add more players. The Dodgers, as it stands right now, probably could do the same. But like then you're looking at pushing 28, 29, you know, $300 million. Yeah. Like yeah. changes the luxury tax bill as well then. So uh, the Mets, I think, have done this properly. The thing now is like DeGrom's also coming up on a contract. If you choose to lock him up and this injury is a career altering injury, now you're fucked. Right. Now now you get into the territory of this is the classic Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim situation. Yeah. Yep. Where they pay everybody a ton of money and then they're just never themselves again, mm-hmm. right? Um out of all these teams here, who do you think I mean, I guess you kind of answered it, but who's in in baseball specifically? Who who are you most impressed with? Oh, that's easy. Out of this top ten, um, well, they're not even close to the top ten. But if we're gonna okay. go top ten, I'm most impressed with what the Tampa Bay Rays do in baseball. Okay, it's, and that's it's fine. not even close. It's almost if they're in a different, they're playing in a different league. Um, but in the top 10, I would say what Houston has been able to do, uh, you know, you you stay competitive, you lose arguably your second best pitcher, your best aged pitcher in Garrett Cole. 
right? He goes to the Yankees, signs a three hundred right. million dollar deal. My thought as a sports fan is okay, Justin Verlander, um, he's getting old. You know, you're going to have to pay Correa. Boom, a week into the season, two weeks into the season, Verlander has Tommy John. You know, boom. Okay, and now it's like okay, the, the dynasty's over. And they make a great run. Valdez steps up after the broken pinky. You know, some guys emerge. You're quitty. And here we are, 2022, a couple of years removed from Cole signing with the Yankees. And it's like, well, maybe that Cole contract wasn't as good as we thought it was, right? Maybe he's not going to be that Roger Clemens war that we just talked about the other night. And here at the Astros are with Verlander on a $25, $30 million deal, year-to-year playing, basically. So they're safe. They're, they're, they're not worried about DeGrom's deal. They lock up Alvarez, right? They have Altuve. They they have a foundation for their team to be successful over the next five or six years. And they've already had five or six years of success. Very, very rarely do I see a Major League Baseball team successful for 12 years. And that's what we're looking at from the Houston Astros, realistically. Yeah. And what team do they remind you of in the NBA? Golden State. Uh, Golden State. Straight well, and up. Then, and then nine. nine we'll, we have to talk about nine, too, with the Atlanta Braves um, signing... Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albi, Albies, excuse me. Uh, it's a very team-friendly deals when they were young. You know, like I think Acuna's was 10 for 100 and Albies was like six or seven for like 60. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a, they robbed both of these players. And, you know, Ozzy obviously broke his foot last night, but you can't really, you don't really see that in the NBA. There isn't this like, well, let me sign you in case you tear an ACL because these players, they just don't buy into that, right? Baseball is a lot more of that. And the teams that can do that really do end up benefiting uh, long-term because you can add pieces around them. Well, everyone, we appreciate you for coming out today to this pod. We'll be back Wednesday. Announcements, updates, new things coming here soon. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore E underscore Morris. Me, Matt Guest at Matt underscore Guest our podcast at pitcher bet pod we are on instagram twitter tiktok 